Have you looked at any of our Apple reviews? No. Is there good ones in there? I guess I for, I assumed if we got them, I we, I would receive emails, but I don't. So I just pulled it up today, and uh, yeah, they're good. Let me pull it up. The most recent. This podcast has an excellent balance of superior technical insight and comedic relief. <laughs> Croyler's experience and knowledge of BJJ is impressive, to say the least. Andrew's dungeon master and Disney princess survey skills are phenomenal. The podcast would be enjoyable to any BJJ practitioner or anybody looking for a bit of entertainment. <laughs> Another one said, entertaining and insightful. Croyler has a great vocabulary that helps me conceptualize techniques while listening. Andrew is... Well, Andrew, <laughs> great job and keep it up. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I like that one. How have all your seminars been lately? You've been, you've been on a run of them. You had what? Two weeks ago, how many seminars in a four-day four span? I had four and five days, and then I trained at, at um, Stambowski's for, for a day. And that was, you flew into Philly? I did a seminar in, in New Jersey, right across the border from, from Pennsylvania, and then did one further up in Rahway, New Jersey, and then after that I was at Marcio's for, the, for a day, then went to... Uh, Greg Woods for a seminar, which is in Connecticut, like middle of Connecticut. And then a little bit further north from there, I did one at Jay Bell's and Engine Campbell's at Gracie Farmington. Was, it, were, was that the last day? Yeah. And you flew back. And then the following weekend. Yeah, so I got back home Tuesday. And then Saturday morning, I drove down to Columbus to a seminar. Just one? Just one. You're lazy. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you were already you were back that evening. Yeah, I drove. Yeah, I drove five hours to teach an hour and forty five minutes seminar, and then hopped in the car and drove right back. When you do a run of seminars like that, or is every class different? Do you try to keep it the same so you're not having to? Oh no, it's whatever. Plan? Whatever they want me to teach. Oh, they tell you, hey, can you teach this? Well, I'll I'll tell them like, hey, I will teach. I can teach on anything. So like, what do you want me to teach? And some of these guys are like, they have something specific in mind. Others will say, hey, I've heard you're good at these things. Well, you know, can you show them? Or some people are like, well, I don't care. So then I show up and I'm like, does anybody have any questions? And kind of go from there. Is that standard for people who are giving seminars? They say, I can do whatever. Or do some people tell them, this is what I do? Generally speak, speaking, most, most of the time when you get a seminar, you hire somebody to come out. Unless you know them, you just have them come out and then they they just teach what they are comfortable with teaching. You're just so you're so easygoing, you'll do whatever. Yeah, I've done I've done I've done a ton of seminars. Have you done seminar seminars where someone says, Can you do this? and you think to yourself, Why would you waste well, time? So that's where it, like you need to be a good instructor too and, and never let the student lead the class. So like if somebody has if there's a a topic and somebody says, Hey, I'm stuck inside control okay, I can, I can show you, like we can, we can work out of side control, but then, um, then that question is over. You know, you have to be careful of the, the guys. Cause there's always that one guy in every seminar. It's the, what if guy, what if this happens? And you give him an answer. He's like, what if this happens? And you give him another answer and you basically go down this rabbit hole. 
like you have to be very good about not getting caught in those and I, and I don't I don't get caught in those anymore that's good because that's the little kid essentially who's going why well this is why we do this why <laughs> yeah well and then the entire class is hijacked by that person pretty much what if someone said I would like you to teach proper turtling <laughs> and then I, I would go in my spiel that this is a garbage position. You should never do it. What if they said, I'll, I'll give you a very lucrative uh, <laughs> deal to come here and teach how to turtle? I would go there and not teach them how what? to turtle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we're gonna, one of these days we're doing an episode on turtling. We can. Pro turtling. We can do it. There, we can do it. There's there's uh, Teles, who, Eduardo Teles, who developed a turtle guard. Who, he attacks from bottom turtle. Is he currently competing? Older guy? No, he's like I think he's early forties, early to mid forties, maybe a little bit older now. I don't, I don't know for sure. Was it an effective system? Not, not the best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it wasn't the best. Is the techniques so so like that goes into Is it like risky? No, it, you go into like you know you have you have. Theory and practicality, right? So there's a lot of very cool moves in jujitsu that are very theory heavy. I can do this amazing combo or this amazing chain, or if the guy does this, I will do things and I'll come out successful. And that's that's great. Um, but then there's the practicality side of things. That can you pull it off on somebody who's actually really good and who's actually really trying to submit you? And you can say, one, one person can say, well, I can, right? Okay, so if you can, then why did you ever get stuck there, right? If, if you have a defense from bottom of turtle, uh, if you have an, such an effective attacking mechanism from the bottom, bottom of turtle, you're probably better than your opponent. If you can pull them off, right? Mm -hmm. then, then, then why, how, how did your opponent get there? Right. Right. It's like, if you know, like they're like, again, theory, you can, you can arm bar people when they're in your back. There are ways of doing that. Right. I mean, I can show you like theory, like how it would work, but in reality, that's not going to work. And if I could pull it off on somebody, it's on somebody who could never do any damage there anyways. So could never do any damage to me. So why would I let them get that far? Unless I'm fucking around and that's the different issue. If you could... Yeah, the system where from turtle you can hit transition to a lot of different things with a high percentage of success. Getting turtle is not hard because anyone will take it if you give it to them. Right. So theoretically, if you could do that to high level guys, that would be logical. Well, so like the proof, the proof is in the pudding, right? So like this is turning into a turtle episode. <laughs> we're gonna move away from it, but. You have guys like, uh, okay, so like, 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 like Eduardo Teles. He's the only guy that will say you should always turtle. Like, that's, that is the way to go. And he was very successful in competition when he competed. But he was the only one, you know, ever to be able to consistently pull off bottom turtle attacks. And even in most of his matches, he didn't pull them off from there. He used turtle and he just Granby rolled or, you know, or, or Peterson rolled and basically got on top from the turtle, but he never actually really finished from turtle, which again, sure. And, and, and I get the whole, it's better to have a plan in a worst possible position. But my whole point is that just kind of 
motivate or, 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 or makes people, puts people at ease with going into Turtle. Whereas in like my, with Marcelo Garcia's argument, like with X Guard, like can't argue against X Guard. Not only did Marcelo Garcia pull it off consistently, world titles and ADCC and stuff, he's the, you know, other people have also done X Guard. It, it's it replicated. Off. Right. Right. Yeah. At all levels. Right. So yeah, it's kind of scientific. Yeah. So, something has to be able to be replicated, and X Guard right. has been shown over and over to work. Right. All right. Well, before we go farther into this whole, um, I'm going to bring us back on path, okay? Because oh. you always are trying to send us on tangents <laughs> and go off topic, but sure. my job here, if nothing else, is to just stay focused, okay? Okay. All right. I'm Andrew Desimone. Oh, I'm Corley Gracie. This is Corley Gracie. I didn't know we were recording, but that's okay. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was obvious because I, I kept looking at the computer and oh. just like checking our times yeah, and the, no, the I, I proper mics. I thought you were just like going. And that's when you're like, hey, we need to go back because like we need to get this going. <laughs> now we've been recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's good. That's how I like to do it. So it just feels <laughs> like natural conversation. Um, yeah, so that's me. That's this, that's this guy. Our email, just jujitsu podcast at gmail.com. We've gotten a few now. We've got some emails. If you have any questions, feel free to send us some email. We'd be happy to talk about the topic as long as it's not ridiculous. Well, if it's ridiculous, we'll definitely talk about it. So you can be as yeah, out I there mean, as you just, want. Just, just send them. <laughs> just, just send them. We'll figure it out later. So yeah, that's all the stuff that we should get out of the way because we're becoming a little bit more experienced now. And that's what you're supposed to do with a podcast or with a show. Mics are on. Introduction, yeah. Introduce yourself first and foremost, though. Check that the mics are on. They are because my little sticky note here. Anything else that a professional would do here before we jump in? No. Listening to Grappling Dads. Uh, well, shout out to our to oh. Kip, Paul and Kip. Kip just had surgery on his neck. Yeah, I heard they failed. That was a failed operation. Did did they say that over their podcast? I'm about no. He was part able, way through. He was it. able to talk about it to talk <laughs> oh, on Tuesday. A so. successful one would have <laughs> end with a uh, with a deceased Kip, is what you're you're. Or, or at least a muted one. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. We don't want him dead because he has a family. Right. But right. his family Just, would be better off if he was mute. Right. I think the world would be better yeah, off. Be like, I'm sure there'll be like an old practice lawsuit in there somewhere, you know? Yeah. And I mean, grappling dads would, would be w much better if it was just all, all Paul. That's yeah. hashtag all Paul. I've been saying that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So getting us on topic again, um, today is a BJJ giants episode. Our giant today is the one and only Marcelo Garcia. Are you familiar with Marcelo Garcia? Yeah, I know who Marcelo Garcia is. Well, I just say that because when I first said, hey, we should do it on Marcelo Garcia, you said, who? <laughs> and I had to that explain was, who was he not, was. That was not the response. And I said, he's done. He's popular for like all these competitions he's won and guillotine and uh, X-Guard. like, what's a guillotine? I'm like, and I explained a guillotine and then. Yeah, it was a whole thing. It was this thing. <laughs> so yeah, today we're doing it on Marcelo Garcia, who if we were playing the word association game that we did last episode, yep. two episodes ago, um, and I was the one who was having to answer. You said Marcelo Garcia. What I would think first is legendary jujitsu practitioner, multi-time world champion, but also 
smiley, um, smiley. giggly, warm, just because every for every article I read about him, there's always a picture that goes with it. And it just looks like the friendliest guy just smiling, posing. And then I, all the videos I watched, there was a 30-minute, 20, 30-minute video just about how he established the laid-back, like, easy-to-learn environment in his gym. Mm-hmm. The, the video was just on that. When I think of him, I think of a guy who's highly experienced and just seems like a genuinely good a, guy. A good dude. Yeah. yeah. If we're doing word association, what, what pops into your head? Minimalist X-Guard guillotines. Interesting. Minimalist. Okay. I like that. We'll, uh, we'll have to come back to that one because, because I, I, I'm curious to get into that. So what was your first introduction to Marcelo Garcia? Can you remember when he kind of first came into your, yeah, I I, you know, I I heard, heard the name for years and years and years. Uh, this was back uh, to 2001, 2002. Um, you know, I heard a name again back then. Footage wasn't as easy to come by, and 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 definitely, you know, you you couldn't see these people if you just wanted to. Like you'd have to go to a competition that they happened to be competing at. You know, internet wasn't as as prevalent then as it is now. And then in two thousand and five, maybe two thousand and six, I became far more attuned with with him. I kind of started studying him a little bit more. Not because of uh, his accomplishments, because he was still accomplishing a lot of things then, but um, because he just had a different approach to jujitsu, and and it was very effective both in the gi and no gi. It translated very well, gi and no gi. And then the more I dug on him, and the more footage I found, and more access I had to to see him and 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 his history and stuff. Um, and then, and then, you know, I, I just kept diving down the rabbit hole until I, w- I went back down to like his karate days and stuff, you know. So, um, when, but when but, he started to um, win like the world championships and become prominent in the jujitsu world, did it start off as gi, no gi? Was it were they simultaneously happening? Well, I think it was. I mean, I, I think he he I think he's first competition in ADCC, if memory serves me right, it was 2001. I know no, that... 2003. Yeah. 2003, I, then seven, then nine, and then... No, it was one, three, five, and then he skipped seven and he won in 2009, I think, or something along those lines. I, I think for... Did you say ADCC? ADCC, yeah. He won... 2003, 2005, 2007, 2011. Okay, so it was 2003. Okay. Because the trials, at the trials for the ADCC, he was still a brown belt. So I think, I don't think, it was was the first time he, like, I think he officially blended, like, his gi style and into no gi. I think it was in in preparation for the trial as a brown belt. Okay, and he's a black belt under Fabio Gurgel? Yes. Is that how you say it? Mm Mm-hmm. What what's uh, I know he I've heard that name a lot before. Fabio Grigel. What's his background? Um, a lot of people call him like the general. <laughs> How's he get um, that name? Well, he uh, he's so um, if we, if we go back further behind him, so we have um, the original Jacare, which was one of Holes Gracie's um, black belts. Uh, Jacare gave Fabio Grigel his black belt, and uh, they they 
together in a partnership, they built Alliance. And Grishel is, is younger than, than Jacare, I don't know, 10, 12 years or something like that. So for a long time, Grishel was kind of like the main um, like instructor at the schools. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure Jacare was around giving advice and teaching, but he's an older guy, you know, and, and, and Grishel builds an army, you know, you have Gabi Garcia, you have, you know, Marcelo Garcia, no relationship there. Um, you know, you look at all the major Atos black belts all came from from Grigel. I'm sorry, Atos, I'm sorry. Alliance, I misspoke there. All the Alliance black belts came from Grigel. I mean, they're all in the same tutelage, same graduating class, you know, so to speak. Um, and, and, um, and Marcelo, you know, of course, got his black belt from Grigel. So that's that's kind of his lineage there. But he won his first world in 2003. As a black belt, I think. As a black belt in 2003. Yes. His stats mm-hmm. are pretty crazy. I think it's just a shy of 90 matches. And I think um, I think he, as a black belt, I mean, and those matches are, you know, they're not like your local state tournament. I mean, they're like Worlds and Brazilian Nationals and PANS and ADCC. And I mean, these are like the, the top, top tournaments, especially back then. And uh, I think he was just shy of 90 matches with, I think it was like, 75 wins or something like that. I think he, I think he, if, you know what, it might be like closer to 80, 85, I think it's 85 matches and 75 wins or something stupid like that. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's only lost a handful of times. And usually two guys that were bigger than him. Okay. Side note. <laughs> he fought a, fought a lot of absolute. Yes. Um, competitions. Mm-hmm. He had a ton of fights with big names. Mm-hmm. I know I saw the Henzo fight. Yeah, it was a good one. That was. Was he an underdog for that one? Oh yeah, he was nobody. He was. His, <laughs> yeah. He was his brown belt that won trials, and he actually actually didn't win trials. Let me rephrase that. He lost trials, and he got invited back in because the one of the competitors that won trials at that weight class got hurt or had to pull out and have the money to fly. Whatever the case was, he got called in as a substitute. So he actually didn't even make it into the try into the into the ADC on his own. He got called in. Man, talk about just a lucky break to, one, get called into that, and two, right. to, to be beat yeah, cause a he, guy he, like Henzo. He beat, he beat Henzo, and Henzo's, Henzo's a savage, you know? Yeah. And he went, he beat Henzo, and then he beat somebody else that was really big, too. So uh, Vitor Hibero? Yes. Yeah, Shaolin. Yes. Uh, Shaolin's another one that would be good to do an episode on. Um, Shaolin, is that his nickname? His nickname, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so Shaolin, uh, yeah, he beat Shaolin, who's also... To me, one of the best uh, best guys to ever incorporate jujitsu into MMA. Very underrated. Very like flies under the, the radar, and nobody really knows. Was um, he beating these guys in the at their prime towards the end of their careers? Um, Henzo was Henzo was you know he was around his prime. I don't know if he was if he was peaking or if he was just past his peak. Um, Shaolin was definitely in his prime and uh, yeah no he just came out of nowhere and took the world by a storm Henzo was bigger than him what about uh, Shaolin Shaolin I think Shaolin might be lankier than him Um, I don't know that they're necessarily different weight classes okay all technique all being equal right the size and athleticism will prevail if you nullify technique with technique then, then all that's left is, you know, the size difference. It's the only reason you tap me. It's, I mean, we're, we're technique for technique, <laughs> and you're just bigger. That's what it that, comes down what, to, That's man. what it is, yeah. Yeah, no, so, um, 
you know, Marcel is considered like one of the best ever, and and he's by far, if not, if if you don't want to put him as like one of the best ever, because there's always going to be somebody shooting for that title, right? Um, you will, he will definitely go down as one of the most technical fighters ever. Um, very, very, very technical. One thing that I was reading was it was talking about him competing in jujitsu, but then it said submission wrestling, and I was wondering. What's the difference between submission wrestling and jujitsu? Uh, submission wrestling is that like better to Americans? Okay, <laughs> Actually, is it different from catch? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. No. Um, submission wrestling, generally speaking, again, it's it's become almost the same thing as catch, but in in submission wrestling, jujitsu submissions are still applicable. So like. You still can't do like spinal locks and you know finger grabs and toe grabs and um, can't wear like generally speaking can't wear you know wrestling shoes and, and things like that. Wearing catch you can you can do all that stuff, uh, face cranks and you know things okay. like that. But um, ADCC um, originally was um, advertised as submission wrestling because. Originally, the the very first ADC, I think it was 2001 or 99, it might have been 99, um, they actually invited, the, the, the Sheikh invited the top grapplers in any grappling style in the world, and they just said, you guys are all going to fight. So you had guys in the gi, you had guys in no gi, like, it was like... Were those some fun... Fun, oh, ma- yeah. fun matches to watch? Can you oh, get those online? Um, you, know, you can probably buy the DVD, yeah. you know, um... The, mat, the the matches were like 20 minutes long. I mean, they were crazy long. Like, there was weird rules that... Because they tried blending all the rules, you know? Um, and you'd have guys in geese and guys in the tall, shin-high boots? Um, I don't know about boots. I know that, like, singlets. So we had okay. guys in shorts. Guys in, like, in rash guards. Guys in geese. Like, the guys in karate geese with the shorter sleeves. Oh, yeah. That was a crazy yeah. ABCC back then. <laughs> Let's go back to earlier you said minimalist. Minimalist, yes. What what makes you say minimalist? He doesn't believe in certain things. Okay. What are those? So, Marcelo like Garcia. Aliens? No. So, like, Marcelo Garcia does not believe in, like, leg locks. What's his reasoning for that? Doesn't work on him. Was he ever leg locked <laughs> in competition? No. Nobody, ever, nobody ever, ever got close to his legs. It's, it's bold to go, I don't believe in leg locks. Now, he can say, I was never submit. No one ever leg locked me. But there are probably other submissions in competition that no one ever got him well, with. That he but, would, but they never, I don't think he's, he was ever even threatened. You know, no right. leg locks. Um, he doesn't believe in like, uh, there's one other one that was like really like, shocked me. Because I mean, like leg locks obviously work mm-hmm. and they work at all levels. And you got to remember that when he was competing, the leg lock game wasn't as developed, right? So there is that too. But there's other things too, you know, um, like Amer- I don't know if he does Americanas, you know, there's like, he basically, he looks at his jujitsu and he's like, I'm successful with these 10 moves and nobody can stop them. So I don't need the other 99.999999% of jujitsu out there because you can't stop these. <laughs> so he focuses on what? He does very well. The problem is he does it very well. <laughs> and he doesn't have to do these other things. No. So, like, you know, so I'll, I'll highlight you a match for, for Marcelo Garcia. So this is going to be every single one of his no-gi matches. 
okay? Every single one. It's gonna be arm drag to single leg, okay? If he's successful, he's gonna pass the guard and he's gonna pass by smashing, drive his hips right through the mat, walk right around, get to side mount. When he, once he gets to side mount, then people start panicking because if he mounts, he's gonna take your back and choke you. And if you don't let him mount, he's go, he goes north and south and chokes you. Okay. What kind of choke would he usually get from north and south? Just the regular north and south, you know, okay. uh, Mon- uh, Jeff Munson style choke. And then um, if, if he tries to take you down, but it's not working, or you turtle at any point, or you try to shoot at him and he stuffs it, then he's gonna guillotine your ass. And there's nothing you can do about it because he gets it on everybody. That's where like the Marcelo teen became popular. The high elbow guillotine was originally called the Marcelo teen. I was gonna bring that up at some point. There are a few different techniques yeah. that he's that are synonymous with him. Yeah, like one my, of those. Yeah, Marcelo Plata, the Marcelo teen. Yeah. yeah. What is so special about his uh, his guillotine? Why why so, was he so so, so he took with the it? approach of um, so for the traditional the most traditional guillotine is the, the, um, the low elbow guillotine, where your elbow stays by your ribcage. And that is traditional because it's easy to do, easy to learn. Um, your, your average Joe coming off the street can learn a low elbow guillotine and pull it off. Um, but when you get to high level competition, a low elbow guillotine will still work, but, but it, because it's so commonly known that people become very aware of its defenses and its setups. And then it, 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 at a high level, it loses its efficiency a little bit, a little bit. I mean, you just have to get more creative and more precise with your techniques, right? But um, Marcelo, I think, was the first guy to make f- popular the high elbow guillotine. And, and, and what makes a difference is in a low elbow guillotine, should it fail, you're generally gonna be in the bottom. So if you guillotine me with a low elbow and I manage to get out of the low elbow guillotine, you're gonna be in the bottom. Whether it's guard, half guard, side mount, that's different. But generally speaking, if it fails, you're in the bottom. Whereas a high elbow guillotine, if it fails, you're in the bottom. So if somebody shoots a double leg on you and you do a low elbow guillotine and they take you down and then get out, you're in the bottom. Somebody shoots a double leg and you do a high elbow guillotine and they take you down, they're going to choke. So to get out of the high elbow guillotine, you got to turn on your back, which for competition that is wonderful because if my submission fails i get on top <laughs> i'm trying to think of if uh, the difference that would cause there's a double leg me i fall down and with that high elbow here right why does that work right what, yeah because you're framing so the the common defense for and just to clarify when we say the high el- elbow guillotine it's you have your standard guillotine and you're literally the hand opposite the uh, choking th- arm. Yeah, the hand opposite the choking arm. Your that elbow is kind of pointing up, up at ceiling, almost like right. a forty-five or right. more severe angle. So what what that does is it, when it, it um, so in a low elbow guillotine, the 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 power comes from the hips, right? So people learn to stop the hip hips ability to expand. So they hug the shoulder. Very old school Gracie defense, right? Hug the shoulder, put your forehead on the mat. You know, the opponent can't expand, then you fight the hands free. So you basically, you fight by going into it. You call it, you go into the arch so that it's harder for them to expand. Again, just a simple defense. There's others, right? But with a high elbow guillotine, because your elbow is up, your elbow that's up, that forearm becomes a frame 
where they cannot come into you anymore. Oh, I see. And they can't pull out of it. And they're essentially, they're stuck in that optimum, you know, cranking range. Um, again, not to say that one's more effective than the other, but the defense to one is different than the defense for the other. The defense for a high elbow guillotine, generally speaking, involves you turning on your back. And because there's more space, if you go to your back, you can roll out. But for competition technique, that's great. Because if it fails, I'm on top. It's like, right. a, it's like a normal plata, which is another reason why Marcelo likes his Marcelo plata. Like very rarely would you see Marcelo um, purposely going for a full-blown omoplata. Generally speaking, he would start going for an omoplata and then just roll through, knowing full well that he was not going to get the finish, but the opponent would be forced to roll out of the omoplata, right? And then if they rolled out of the omoplata, then he could jump on their back or armbar or get to the top and then complicate their lives. It was a way. It was a way to threaten a a very viable submission, but the true intent being to get to the top. So when people would refer to a Marcelo Plata, was that usually referring to a Oma Plata that was directing them towards to rolling, something to else? Rolling, towards rolling, right? So um, I have to show it to you in class. Instead of basically pulling both legs out from out, out of the opponent and moving away, you would only throw the one leg over the opponent's face and then belly down. Not sit up, just roll belly down. And your hip would crank their arm, right? But mm -hmm. there's no control there, but it forces your opponent to roll. And if they roll, now it's a scramble. And generally speaking, you're on top. Yeah, that's one that I like omoplatas a lot because I can either. They're easier for me to get because I'm more flexible and it's easier for me when I'm when someone's in my guard to kind of shimmy to their side and isolate that arm right. and then go for the omoplata. And then if I don't get it. A lot of times I can transition to, um, if they roll out of it, usually I can transition to mount. Um, right. And so I guess I, what I'm saying is I'm instinctually great like Marcelo Garcia. <laughs> is that what you got out of that? <laughs> oh, you said that with a straight face? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I'm a good instructor and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I, I think pride in it and yeah. I know you're very talented, but that's not because of your instruction though. It was instinctual. Remember, <laughs> it's just something inside of me. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's maybe enough. you mind doubt. You mind the greatness out of me. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So I mean, Marcel, like, it goes back to minimalist thing, right? He's like, I have a hard time finishing all plotters. And again, all plotters are a very viable submission. You look at Clark Gracie, made a whole career out of all plottering people. Marcel just used it as a way to get to the top because why struggle there when I can just get to the top and then just choke people? Right. You know? So that the, we've talked about a couple of the things that he made popular or that he perfected t for his game. Another thing also is arm drags. Yeah. Arm drags are huge. Every, I mean, every Nogi match is an arm drag. He's fast and he's quick with them. What did he do that made those so so effective? Were, were guys doing that as often before he Not he as many Brazilians it? at that time. Yeah, because it's, it's a wrestling right. move. It's, a very, that, it's that, a very American thing, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was probably the first Brazilian to adopt, not only adopt it, but maybe even do it better than some Americans. Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. But I think what gave him comfort is... The way he arm drags, if it fails, he's almost in X guard. 
could you explain just the the way he would do it? What was his what was the process for people listening of the arm drag, and then what was the result usually? So, so generally speaking, he'd do you know cross body arm drag. So he would his right arm would drag the opponent's right arm, and generally speaking, when you when you arm drag, you're, you're looking to make the opponent step forward, right? That's where most people shoot your singles. They enter your knee taps, your duck unders, you know, and, and so on. Except Marcelo would arm drag and slide his knee through, which they do in wrestling too. It's a perfectly good, you know, wrestling move. He would slide down for a very low single leg, which for him, it's great. It avoids the guillotine. His head's really low. It's fast. He's a short guy. So. Would, would his head be like how low would he have it? Would he have it in it'd be, like, it'd the be gut, near, the yeah. hip? No, I think it would be closer to like the opponent's thigh. Oh, that it's very yeah. Low. He's low, and he would come up from there to get the takedowns if the opponent didn't fall. Most guys would just fall from the speed of his arm drag, and then um, you know if it failed, let's say he found a guy who had maybe better wrestling or a good base, then he just switch off to X guard and then sweep him from there because nobody does X better than Marcelo Garcia. That leads us into the next one. I was gonna say X guard. X guard. We've talked a little bit about it in the past. Yeah, um, we dabbled on it. We did. He made X Guard very popular, and we may kind of go on some of the territory we talked about before, but that's okay. Uh, what was what was his application for X Guard? How was he? How would he make it work so well? You, you talked about it was often. It was a lot of times it could be used as a plan B to a failed single leg. Right. Um, when he would get into that X guard, what would his what would he usually do? What were his go tos? So so his his he had two paths to oh maybe for that three main main ways yeah. of getting to X and I think that's what kind of frustrated people because if you shot a single leg and it failed and you did nothing you just stood there he would go right into X and sweep you if you sprawled hard and and avoided the the single leg and then he would go to half or butterfly. Butterfly is the other place that he's very dominant in. So if he got to, to butterfly, he would guillotine you or sweep you into X or just sweep you. And then if he swept you from butterfly and you stopped it, he goes to X. If you got to half guard, he would underhook and get his work his way to your back and choke you. Or if you tried to stuff in the underhook, then he just lifts you to X. So like it was very frustrating because it was a very simple game plan. I mean, I think everybody competing against him understood every move he was going to do they just couldn't do much about it right is there anyone competing today who reminds you of marcelo garcia stylistically um no not anybody alone i think there's definitely guys that i can say these are very heavily influenced by marcelo garcia you know guys like wardzinski wardzinski is a probably one of the best butterfly guys in the world right now um, is he the tall guy that you, you yeah, we talked about in our yeah, butterfly episode? Yep, yep. Um, you have guys like Kenan Cornelius, who, while his game is completely different than 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 Garcia's, has done much of the same with his competitors. You know, where Garcia stifled them with with X guard, um, Kenan has done so with his lapel guard. You know, the the combination of worm and squid and all the other ones that he's coming up with. So. Um, but you can see heavy influences, right? Where either you have an innovator becoming a very, very much an expert on these areas that people don't know about and making other people s- struggle, or 
becoming very good at a very, um, you know, lower level advanced guard and, and making life very difficult for a lot of people. When you watch Marcelo, is there anyone that you see him drawing from? Yeah. I mean, like, (laughs) um, the, 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 the guy that I don't necessarily like drawing from, you know, he, he did, like I said, he, he was to me, I think very little credit is given to his innovation. Um, mostly because everybody takes it for granted now. But, um, you know, I, I don't know that he, so he drew from anyone. I think he, I think he just, again, the minimalist mindset came in. What do I need to do to win? Right. How am I winning? When, when am I being most successful in competitions? And I'm eliminating everything that, you know, diverts me from that path. So he's kind of just good at taking almost being like a self-analyzing I think yeah you know he he's one of these guys that you know people you know don't understand what he was doing like he was a guy that would go into a world tournament take pictures with everyone in the crowd talk to everybody like there's a fucking paparazzi outside they would call his match he would walk on the match on the, he walk on the mat, fight the guy, blow right through them, and these are high level guys. Walk right back out like he wasn't even competing, and just you know continue talking to the people and hanging out. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> how, how you can just I would say turn that switch off and on, but maybe there's never even an off or on. Maybe it was just that rolling was just part of his, just part of his life, and so he's he's walking from taking pictures with people and having a good time to, Oh, now I'm just going to go have a good time out here on the mat. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, I, I was trying to look up the record. I believe like, have you ever heard of today? Mm-hmm. So today is like, to me, like one of the most like underrated guys in jujitsu. Um, he, he had, you know, uh, an issue with drugs, which is probably what stopped him from being as popular as let's say Marcelo Garcia. But, um, you know, like to put things in perspective, like Marcelo Garcia only lost, you know, I think 10 times or 11 times in his like highest level arenas. And I think three of those are to like today, you know, like, so today is another guy much like Marcelo Garcia who did it because it was fun. I think he enjoyed the, the, comp- the, com- the competition. He enjoyed the game. And I think you're right. You look guys like Hajar Gracie, Marcelo Garcia, you look at other great competitors, a lot of them are cool. They're friends with each other. There's no like, there's no hatred or harsh feelings. Usually you see that as a white belt and blue belts. You go to the tournament, watch the white belts and blue belts. They're all mean mugging each other. Mm -hmm. You look at the black belts, they're sitting down having a drink together, you know? (laughs) Well, yeah, there is this level of almost, oh, you're, I'm not a nemesis of yours. I'm, I'm a fan because I like jujitsu and you do really, innovative things right. in jujitsu so i just enjoy watching you right right exactly yeah that that's a good way to look at it all right so that's that's we i think we can kind of wrap this up here with adjectives that we used minimalist fun loving passionate creative he he's a guy who if i had to model like the perfect person for jujitsu to represent jujitsu would be like a guy like that, just smaller uh, guy, small guy, unassuming, right. friendly, 
but can demonstrate the hammer of God like none other. And oh, yeah. That, that's what comes in that small package of Marcelo Absolutely. Garcia. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, that's it for this BJJ Giants episode. Now, it's obviously not done because we have we have to end with like a little bit of oh my a God. segment. I thought I was going to like dodge that bullet. What? <laughs> you should know by now. This, this oh podcast is nothing if not made for this end segment. It's like the reward for listening to the podcast is to watch me squirm at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul and Kip from Grappling Dads always talk shit about how boring we are. This is this is the reward for you getting through all the uh, the boring stuff, guys. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding. No, this is this is the dessert to the delicious meal of barbecue ribs and cornbread and whatever else this, this episode was. All right. What do you think? you have any idea what today's going to be? No, but I'm dreading it. <laughs> I should have, right when we finish up the like the substance of the episode and get to all the fluff, just a, like a, a couple shot glasses lined up for you to do. Actually do those as you're finishing up the substance. No, they ain't going to do that. <laughs> so when's your birthday? April 14th. April 14th. That would make you an Aries. Yes. I don't have to tell you that. We, you, you know. You have it on your ankle, the, the little Aries tattoo. <laughs> you, you are a, you're big into astrology. You're always telling us. I'm big into astrology. Yeah, you're always telling all, all your friends what your horoscope is. You're telling us every morning I get a text from Croyler. Hey, Pisces, here's what your horoscope is today. Be careful of these things. Uh, and so, you know this. I thought today we could just go through your horoscope. Oh. I know you've probably already read it, so just humor me, sure. humor people listening. <laughs> it's June 20th, 2019, the Aries Daily Horoscope. Shit, you have it pulled up? <laughs> I do, yeah. Oh, man. With the moon, now in your solar 11th house. <laughs> 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 I haven't read this either, so I just Googled Aries Horoscope. <laughs> This is the best one that I could oh, possibly hope for. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> With the moon now in your 11th, solar 11th house, dear Aries, <laughs> pressures to perform tend to release as you seek out other activities to help round out your experiences. You with me so far? I, I, I guess I can keep up, yeah. Now, you cannot forget Neptune's station can make it hard to concentrate today, however... <laughs> If you avoid expecting immediate results and instead try to go with the flow, you can slowly but surely find your inspiration or reconnect with what inspires you. Until November 27th, while Neptune is retrograde, you may get the opportunity to make peace with the disappointment and put it behind you. Today's strong for creating intelligent strategies despite a general lack of direction. That's that's good stuff, man. I, I guess. I how do you feel about that? Does, does that apply to you? Are you <laughs> no, no? This no. this to me this is tailor made for you. Oh my god! It's as if the cosmos made this for you because that's what they did do, Kryler. Yeah, yeah. And I I want to read the first line again just because it, it's it's the perfect <laughs> representation for the just the, the bullshit of horoscopes. I was gonna say like I'm not gonna break this down. Yeah, with the moon now in your solar eleventh house, dear Aries, 
<laughs> you know, because we're in here, let's just see what tomorrow's is. Oh, my God. Why would you do that? Because uh, I'm fascinated now. I think I'm going to start. I, I might oh. start looking mine up. I'm going to start texting you every morning your horoscope. Don't do that. Guys, cafeastrology.com. That's what this is from. It sounds like a reliable website. Cafe Astrology. <laughs> so for tomorrow, anyone else, if you're if you're an Aries, this applies to you too. And it applies to everyone because they're all, it applies to everyone and no one. The sun enters your home and family sector today, dear Aries, and will spend the coming month here at the bottom of your solar chart. So... Get your chart out. Do you have an app that has your solar chart? No. I'll send that to you also. <laughs> Thank you for the resources. <laughs> Worldly ambitions tend to take a back seat now as you focus on feeling secure and content in your personal life. A vital mission. This transit stimulates a stronger need to get back in touch with family and enjoy activities revolving around the home. You may be reconnecting with a deep need for inner peace and comfort, enjoying quieter and perhaps emotionally safer pursuits. Building up your inner, all right, you need to, this, this last part is what is really driving it home and you need to focus on. Just knowing you, you need to focus on building up your inner strength and nurturing the self as well as loved ones are in the spotlight until June 20, July 22nd. So you have a month to build up your inner strength <laughs> and nurturing the self as well as loved ones. Hey, you know what the most impressive part about this whole thing was? What's that? You read this whole thing and you didn't stutter, you know? Thank you. And uh, it's like, it's almost like you can read. Almost. Almost. Like, uh, unlike uh, a certain other podcaster we know. Yeah. Unlike, uh, unlike, <laughs> we won't name him. No, Paul. You, I mean, what? No, we won't say that. Man, this is good. I'm, I'm going to read some some horoscopes tonight. I'm not going to... I want to keep on reading these, but people right now are probably like, stop it. I don't... I don't I, I, I've been saying that 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm going to, from now on, your... I'm going to refer to you often now as Dear Aries. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Hey, what do you want to get for... What do you want for dinner, Dear Aries? Hey, when do you want to record the next podcast, Dear Aries? I, I'm... Yeah. Oh, God. This is great. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Uh, this is Andrew signing off and Dear Aries signing off for the week. I'm done. I'm just done. <laughs> <laughs>